Guys, it's hard for me to overstate how many good ideas I think are in this piece by Robert Cover, and just how beautifully written and deeply felt it is. And I know there are parts that you may not connect with, at least on the first read, and, and parts that are, you know, you don't want to go back over again, but it's really worth engaging with. And, I mean, what a brilliant mind. So this guy, he died at the age of 42 in the same year that this piece was published and in the same year as the conference out of which uh, grew this essay. And that conference was at the University of Georgia School of Law. Legal interpretation takes place in a field of pain and death. Well, I mean, right away you know you're in for something a little different with this one, right? Well, at, at, at its core, this article is about the ways in which interpretation and legal activity is quintessentially concerned with violent action and not at all like other forms of interpretation. So you remember when we read Dworkin's chapter from Law's Empire and, you know, we, we looked at the chain novel metaphor that doing law is kind of this interpretive exercise where like the chain novelist, you have to make an interpretation of the stuff that went before and then make something coherent for your next chapter that fits everything together. And doing that, you kind of take the, I don't know, you kind of take the position of the literary critic who's understanding the major themes in what's come before. But cover here in this piece is saying the kind of interpretation, the kinds of communications in law are just utterly different. Because law has to enact, ultimately, violence. And so it's not like the interpretive acts in literature or in the arts. The critical interpretive attitude of our next chapter writer just isn't the right guide for judges. Because judges, again, have to deal pain and death. All right. Well, it's not all doom and gloom. There are a lot of really good ideas here. And let's, let's see what they are. One of the core ideas here is, well, a definition of legal interpretation. It has three parts. Legal interpretation for cover is, one, a practical activity. Two, designed to generate credible threats and actual deeds of violence. Three, in an effective way. Now that may strike you as odd, because when we study law, we don't, that violence is not everywhere. This idea of the violence of the state, and maybe we take it for granted, maybe we assume it, but we certainly don't talk about it a lot. And Cover says that's no accident, that, as he says, violence is so intrinsic to this activity, the judging, so taken for granted, that it need not be mentioned. For instance, read the Constitution. Nowhere does it state, as a general principle, the obvious, that the government thereby ordained and established has the power to practice violence over its people. That, as a general proposition, need not be stated, for it is understood in the very idea of government. What do you think about that? It's really quite remarkable that the potential for violence against its citizens is implicit in the very idea of government. That that's really what government is? How do you feel about that? Well, let's take up his three parts of legal interpretation in order and start with Interpretation as a practical activity. And here the concept is of law as 
basically like the transmission of information with expected practical application. In other words, when I say something as a legal actor, I have to have an audience in mind, and I want it to be effective. As Cover says, a judicial decision is a mandate for the deeds of others. Here's a little bit more from Cover. The context of a judicial utterance is institutional behavior in which others, occupying pre-existing roles, can be expected to act, to implement, or otherwise to respond in a specified way to the judge's interpretation. Thus, the institutional context ties the language act of practical understanding to the physical acts of others in a predictable, though not logically necessary way. You see what he's doing there? That we do law by speaking. Institutions speak to one another. And the actions proceed from things that people hear, right? But I also have to speak within that system knowing that people are going to act on what they hear. And so the legal system really is, it really is this sea of institutions talking to one another in the expectation that those other institutions will act. Speakers and audiences. Note too here that Cover criticizes Law's empire directly. Cover says that Hercules can't arrive alone at the right answer to legal problems in a vacuum. He says, The practice of interpretation requires an understanding of what others will do with such a judicial utterance, and, in many instances, an adjustment to that understanding, regardless of how misguided one may think the likely institutional response will be. In other words, you got to be focused on what people are going to do with what you say. And so, it's not so much about whether what you say is right in the abstract, but whether others will act right based on what you say and what they hear. The gap between understanding and action roughly corresponds to the differences in institutional roles and to the division of labor and of responsibility that these roles represent. Thus, what may be described as a problem of will with respect to the individual becomes, in an institutional context, primarily a problem in social organization. Now, what is the effect that you're trying to have? Well, this gets to the second prong of interpretation, that you're trying to generate credible threats of violence. And the upshot is that we, as humans, are reluctant to impose violence. Cover's got a genius line here. He says, Were the inhibition against violence perfect, law would be unnecessary. Were it not capable of being overcome through social signals, law would not be possible. Law is something we need because of our nature, our nature that needs to be restrained. And yet law is something which is possible because of our social nature. What a really cool idea. So a major problem of kind of the engineering of a legal system is how to structure it so that violence actually can be successfully imposed. We kind of want to take advantage in the construction of a legal system of this idea that, you know, it's one thing to give an abstract order to do violence and quite another thing to do it. But maybe people will kind of just follow orders. And here he cites to these famous studies of Stanley Milgram, which I'm sure you've either heard about or if you haven't, you can look it up. People actually will hurt other people when they're ordered to do so by a person in a white lab coat and they think it's okay. People kind of go along a lot of the time. And so maybe we are disposed to act as agents within hierarchies. And that agency, that sense that we are following orders or that we we are agents within a system, suppresses what might be our natural disinclination to do violence. 
Cover says that kind of common to all these social psychological views, and there are many, is a behavioral observation in need of explanation. Persons who act within social organizations that exercise authority act violently without experiencing the normal inhibitions or the normal degree of inhibition which regulates the behavior of those who act autonomously. To see just how much, you know, judges may feel free to pronounce sentences which are essentially compulsory, violent in nature. Look at note 37 on page 1616. This is the one about the judge who pronounces sentence back in the robing room. This is in the informal setting, not in the courtroom where the judge is raised up on a dais looking down on the defendant, where there are the flags behind the judge and the whole theater of the courtroom. This is in more like a regular office. And for whatever reason, this judge pronounced a sentence then. And, well, basically, all hell broke loose. You know, the defendant's family was there and they were crying and the defendant was shouting and and begging the judge to reconsider and even leapt towards the judge and had to be physically restrained and because the judge couldn't leave the room except by going past where the defendant was, the defendant had to be physically dragged out. Here, in this situation, the distance between the word of the judge and the deed that that word implied became quite short indeed. It's really a remarkable story. Now, don't misunderstand. Cover is not suggesting there's something wrong with threatening violence in a legal system, right? He's just saying, let's face facts. This is what a legal system does to be effective. And if you want order and civilization rather than chaos, you have to have a system in which we can decide collectively to deal out violence. Hopefully, we'll do it wisely and justly, but we have to have a system that does that effectively. For that reason, now turning to the next part of what interpretation is. Legal interpretation can never be about just the text alone. Here's what Cover writes. Legal interpretation must be capable of transforming itself into action. It must be capable of overcoming inhibitions against violence in order to generate its requisite deeds. It must be capable of massing a sufficient degree of violence to deter reprisal and revenge. And so, compare this to Dworkin. For cover coherence, the idea of, you know, fit and justification, creating a, co- a coherent scheme of law. Coherence is only one goal. You need your commands, your interpretations to be practically effective. And this is the sense in which cover says that legal interpretation is a form of bonded interpretation, bound at once to practical application, to the deeds it implies, he says, and to the ecology of jurisdictional roles the conditions of effective domination. Now, Cover closes out the piece with some examples. A trial overseas where a defendant had been held, probably absent due process, and he gives the example of capital punishment, where there's almost this theater where there are people who actually will be responsible for killing somebody, and they wait by the phone, prepared to hear the word of the judge, the stay, and that stay, as Cover notes, is really nothing. It's, it's just pure word. And this image of the warden waiting by the phone, ready to receive the word at, at, a, at a moment's notice, just shows how tightly in the system deeds, violent deeds, are tied to the, I guess, abstract words of judges. Imagine a system where wardens carrying out death penalties exercise some discretion, where their actions were not so 
tightly bound to the words of judges. It'd be a very different system, wouldn't it? In conclusion, and, and there's a lot more here that we'll talk about in class, but I want to highlight again the distinction Cover draws between his theory and Dworkin's Hercules. In Cover's theory, this idea of, of a Hercules who gets at the right answers through coherence, through reaching the right conclusion about what the law really ought to be, it almost doesn't make sense because all interpretation is bound to producing results. It's meant to be effective. It's meant to overcome our kind of natural reticence to do violence, our natural reticence to do what needs to be done to make a legal system effective. And so, as Cover says, no single individual can render any interpretation operative as law, as authority for the violent act. While a convergence of understandings on the part of all relevant legal actors is not necessarily impossible, it is, in fact, very unlikely. We're left then in this actual world of the organization of law as violence with decisions whose meaning is not likely to be coherent if it is common and not likely to be common if it is coherent. People are playing really different roles in the legal system, not to mention the perpetrators who are going to be on the receiving end of violence. The idea that they will all join around one common and correct understanding of what the law really is, that doesn't really make sense from Cover's point of view. People say what needs to be said in order to create effective institutions. All right. Boy, there's a lot more to talk about here, and I've only really skimmed the surface on this one. But I think it's enough to get us started. (laughs) 